Hey, what's up, y'all? My name is Rochelle Grow, and I'm the host of Allergic to Small Talk. I'm an expat living in the UK. I own two businesses, have my executive MBA from Pepperdine University, and I come riding dirty, having fallen from the polished corporate world. Allergic to Small Talk is a show about how to grow your small business through networking, plus the tools and resources needed to develop your foundation as a business owner. If you're allergic to small talk, get ready for big conversations that are delivered to you in bite-sized chunks that you can implement right away to transform the way you view, operate, and grow your business. This is Allergic to Small Talk by Cut Class. A lot of creativity goes into starting and running a small business, from dreaming up your concept to then executing it every single day. But somewhere along your business journey, your creativity will run dry or can be super tough to execute. In this episode, you're going to learn what creativity is, how to hone it, and how to get more of it, especially when you really need it. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to Allergic to Small Talk. You can catch me here every week, or you can find me on Insta at It's Row Grow. All right, party people, let's get into our show. I have a rock star guest for you all today, and her name is Mari Reesberg, and she is here to get our creative juices flowing. Mari is a therapist, performer, creativity coach, and host of the Sustaining Creativity Podcast. She holds a BFA in acting from the Hart School and an MA in somatic counseling psychology, dance movement therapy from Naropa University. Mari is what we like to call here at Cut Class a double agent because she currently splits her time between the traditional nine to five world as a director of utilization review and internship programming for a substance abuse treatment center and her own sustaining creativity business where she works with performers and non-performers to spark, grow, sustain, share, and transform creativity in their lives. Mari believes life is way more fun when we tap into our creativity, and I couldn't agree more. Mari, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for inviting me to chat with you today. I'm so excited to talk about creativity and let your listeners know how amazing creativity is and how it can help each and every one of them as they start their own creative journeys with whatever it is they're choosing to do. I'm so pumped to have you here, Mari. I know when we had our podcast last month, your questions on your podcast to me, like there are such great questions that really got my mind ticking over. And I just am so thrilled that you're coming on the show today because I know my audience is going to love what you're going to share. I love it too. I love that. Our conversation was amazing and I can't wait for everyone to hear it and to share all of the nuggets that I have with your audience about creativity. All right, let's rock it. Mari, can you just give us a little bit of background on how you became so interested in creativity and how you decided to focus on creativity as part of your business? Yeah. So creativity for me has really always been a part of my life. I was a very active child and was enrolled in trapeze school at the age of three. 
and started my performing career then. So I've always been on stage. I've always sang, acted, danced, done physical theater. I like to tell people I kind of grew up in the circus. It's kind of what it felt like. And then I took that into a more formal space of going to acting school and getting really incredible training on how to be a performer. But I always felt like something was missing from acting school that I I learned how to be this amazing performer, but not necessarily how to sustain my creativity as a career or in my life. And so after living in New York for a handful of years and singing with an Irish band and going on countless auditions, <laughs> I decided I wanted to go back to school and study something in the creative arts field, but have a little different understanding of creativity and support. So I found dance movement therapy and went to get my master's in dance movement therapy And as I was in that program, I started piecing together my skills and tools that I learned from being an actor with all of the psychology skills and tools that I was learning. And I thought, oh my gosh, I wish I had had some of these skills and tools in acting school and going on auditions on how to navigate rejection when you get rejected, you know, like five times a day or 30 times a month, you know, whatever it was, and how that would have been really helpful in kind of helping me continue to want to pound the pavement as an actor, because that's really what we did in New York City. (laughs) Right. So that's kind of the beginning of how I started combining all of the creativity pieces into my life. And then I started talking to performers and educators and therapists about what it means to live a creative life or what is creative living and the pieces that I was sharing with them around sustaining creativity and having a foundation of safety and trust that you can take creative risk from. Everyone was telling me, oh my gosh, I wish someone had talked to me about this in acting school or in high school or wherever they were, you know, trying to flex their creative muscle. And that's how I started putting it all together in this wonderful world of sustaining creativity. So I can support people to really hone their own creative life. And, you know, not only is creativity so much fun, but there are so many benefits to creativity, which I'm sure we will dive into. Thank you so much for giving me a good background. Let's dive into sustaining creativity. What is the first step in your process when you're working with somebody? And just for the audience that's listening, Mari gave a lot of examples about people that are in the arts. But I want you to really take a look at this. If you're a small business owner, put that lens on as well. And you'll really be able to see a lot of overlap into what you're doing in your everyday business. So Mari, let's dive in. Yeah. So the piece that I start every creativity coaching session with is a conversation about safety. Lots of times people don't think creativity and safety go together. They think to be more creative, you have to just have all these amazing ideas or you have to be really ready to take big risk. And actually what you need is to feel safe. 
This could be in the performing arts world. It could be as an entrepreneur. It could be in the corporate sector. In a meeting, how do you feel safe enough to share the ideas you have when someone asks you for the next big idea? So I talk a lot about how do you go about creating that sense of safety? And there's different aspects of safety. So there's safe space, the space you are in conducive to helping you feel safe. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Do you have pictures of things that bring you joy? Do you have some little fidget toys that help with stress? That could be a really great way to help you feel more safe. You know, then there's also safe time. Are you flexing creativity the same time every day? Do you go every morning at 9am, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to write or every morning, I'm going to have a meeting with the same person so that we can bounce some ideas off of each other. So there's that safe space, safe time, safe mind is what's the narrative you're repeating to yourself? Are you telling yourself, I got this? Or are you telling yourself, it's never going to work? Yeah. (laughs) So how are we creating that safe mind space? And then we've got the safe environment. So again, is the environment you're in conducive to supporting safety? So if you're in a board meeting and your boss asks you or asks the meeting, we need five great ideas. Who's got them? And it's met with crickets. That's a pretty big indication that safety isn't there. And so how do you go about creating safety? Who's responsible for it? Who holds the space for it to really engage? And I think so many times people get really afraid that if they say something that someone doesn't like, there's going to be you know, some fallout from that. So being able to have your own foundation of safety that you can come back to, regardless of how someone else responds, is just as important as the space you're in being safe enough. Awesome. That's really great. Do you provide tips and tools and strategies for people to implement to create those safe environments and the safe mindset? Absolutely. Yes. I work with a lot of people around you know, the safe mindset, but what is that narrative? We use a lot of mindfulness because we actually have to have an awareness of what we are saying before we can change it. Right. So we do a lot of mindfulness practices and there's also this component of our subconscious mind actually buying into what we're telling it. So if you told yourself, I'm the most amazing entrepreneur on the planet, Girl, I am. I know, right? But if your subconscious <laughs> mind doesn't believe it, it's not going to work. So finding those mindset statements that your subconscious mind can really get behind. So maybe it's, I'm working towards becoming the greatest entrepreneur on the planet. And that might be a statement that feels in more alignment with your conscious and subconscious mind. So I do a lot of work with people around that. Awesome. When you're speaking about creating a safe mindset, creating a safe space, it made me think about Brene Brown's book, Dare to Lead. Mm -hmm. And one of the concepts that she talks about there, talks about, I'm not sure if it's necessarily in that book, but it's usually just like in her language, is talking about A, the halo effect, 
And then another thing is before like a big meeting takes place or before there's going to be a rumble that's going to take place and where you're going to be sparring back and forth with maybe varying different opinions, you set the ground rules. Like, what are the deal breakers? What are the ground rules for everybody in that meeting to voice their opinions and not get shut down? So that could be also a strategy, setting those ground rules. Like, before you go into a big meeting, like, what is okay and what's not okay? What is going to make somebody feel okay to be vulnerable in that meeting to share their ideas? Another thing she talked about was the halo effect where there's always going to be like this imbalance of power on teams or in a business. If a big CEO is asking a question, there might be somebody that's on the executive team that says an answer out loud, but because there's that imbalance of power, everybody in the room could just go with that answer because that was the first answer. But they therefore are sharing their own opinion on that particular question. Yeah. So to eliminate the halo effect, she says to like use sticky notes and write down the answer. So ask the question and then on three, everybody, they write down their, you know, their answers on the sheet of paper and then count to three and then everybody can flip over their answer. And it really eliminates that halo over that one person that would normally sway everybody's opinion. Hey you, I wanted to take a minute to talk about the importance of a retrospective. A retrospective is an exercise that allows a team to look back and examine a project, milestone, or even an entire year. It gives everyone on a team a chance to get on the court, get a little dirty, clean up breakdowns, and ultimately look forward to the next wave of business. I recently did a retrospective with my team at Cut Class, and it allowed us to take a look back on our business throughout 2021. We discussed what worked, what didn't work, what was missing, and most importantly, we showed gratitude to one another and asked for gratitude for ourselves. Oftentimes, teams look back on projects from a context of what went right or what went wrong, which can lead to blame culture. But a retrospective flips that approach and reinforces positive performance and behaviors. I challenge you to do your own retrospective and see what you can uncover. I bet you'll be pleasantly surprised as to where it leads you and your business. To grab your retrospective template, there's a link in the show notes. Now let's get back to the show. All right, let's keep moving. What's the next step in the process? Well, once we've got that foundation of safety and people really feel like, okay, I've set my space, my time, my mind, and my environment, and we keep coming back to safety. The next piece is all about identity. So this experience of we actually create our identity, it isn't something that someone else gives us. It might be something that we develop over time. However, it can change. And I think that is a mind-blowing piece for so many people. <laughs> like, what do you mean? I My identity can change. I choose it? What? It can change? It's not something that's fixed and static. So that's kind of the next piece. Who are you? Who is your creative identity, your creative self? I take people through a creativity autobiography. What is that experience? What did you learn? Where do you feel most creative in your life? And so we touch on little pieces of that. 
but it's about really getting to know yourself. Because when you have that awareness of who you are, you then have more capacity to do something with it or to change it if you want it to be something different. Do you have like an example of how somebody's identity could change? I'm just so interested. Yeah, I'll use myself. When I think of my own creative identity, I think I've got, I'm so bold and I take big creative risks and I put myself out there. That's what I tell myself I do. But what I actually do is not that at all. What I actually do is I take little tiny steps towards what I think is boldness, but it's not actually being bold. And so when I tell myself like, oh, you're being so bold, I'm actually not really. Boldness is about, you know, showing up into a space and taking risks and not necessarily caring what other people think of it. You're doing it because it's you, your identity of being bold. Ah, I see. I think for a lot of my life, I have really put a lot of weight on how other people see me and what other people think. And I don't want to rock the boat. And yet what I really want to be is bold and rock the boat. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a dichotomy. Right, exactly. So what I think I'm doing and what I'm actually doing are very different. So being able to have awareness of that and say, okay, here's what I say I am. Here's what other people say I am, but here's what I want to be. And then I can start taking steps towards increasing the amount of boldness that I show up with in my life and in my career and in my business. I love that. So you can slowly turn up the heat in that area. Absolutely. Cool. Very cool. All right, let's dive into the next step. So integrity is the next step. And it's about Am I in alignment with my values, with my beliefs? Am I doing what I say I'm going to do, not only in business, but also with myself? Like, what are the things that I'm holding myself to outside of business performance world? Am I holding myself in integrity? And so that's the next piece that we kind of explore about What is it like to be in integrity and out of integrity? And how do we know when we're out of integrity? What are those cues that tell us something isn't in alignment right now? And that could play out in so many different ways in in a business. It could be like, I said I would get back to that customer. I said I would chase up that invoice, but then maybe falling short and not following through on those things that we don't love so much. Exactly. And maybe that could possibly be that one area of measurement in terms of what does it look like to be out of integrity in my business or out of integrity in creativity? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. If we, in terms of like integrity with our creativity, when creativity becomes a career, we can at times experience a lot of stress that comes with it and a lot of anxiety. And so does that really feel like we're in integrity with our creativity when there's an increase of stress and anxiety? So how do we go about finding our way back to integrity with our creativity? Gosh, that's so 
That's so good because it's true. Like if you're stressed and you're like all out of whack, it can dampen what you're trying to create. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh gosh. And I, I'm laughing because I've been in that space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks. It does. Oh my gosh. I've been there too. It totally sucks. And having the skills and tools to reevaluate, recalibrate, recognize, oh, this is about integrity. This is, you know, it's not about safety or identity. This is an integrity piece. Being able to recognize that can be super helpful and help you get back into integrity that much faster. Love it. What's the next step in the process? Possibility is the next step. And this step and space I really love because most people actually start creative process at possibility. It's like the brainstorming space. It's so sexy. I know it is, but you heard me talk about three steps before we get here. I don't, want to, I don't want to hear the other three steps. I just want to be in possibility, Mari. That's what I right. like. You just want to create. I just be, want the but, good <laughs> Exactly. But if we don't have those previous foundations set, it's so much more challenging to get to the possibility space. Okay. So let's dive into possibility. So possibility is about generating ideas, but it's also about marinating in the ideas. So there's a lot of playfulness that comes with possibility. There's lots of world's worst idea opportunities to have. And then out of that world's worst idea comes the next great idea. But being able to play and have fun and be a little silly and goofy in the world of possibility, you know, it can't be too big. It should be bigger than you think it could ever be. Like your goal is to change the world. That's how big it should be when you start thinking of ideas and how you can go about, you know, putting them together. But it's that incubation phase and stage in the creative process where it may not feel like you're doing a lot. You're just kind of simmering in it. Wow. My mind's just been blown and I don't like what I'm hearing because I just want to go straight to possibility when I'm thinking of a business name, a name for a lead magnet or thinking of a new product or service. Like I just want to be in that space of possibility. Yeah. It's a sexy space to be in. I know. And we miss out on some of the sexiness if we don't have safety identity and integrity. 100%. Yeah, I can see that. I love that. Oh, Mari, that one hit me. Okay, <laughs> let's get to number five. <laughs> and the last one is connection. So how do we take all of these pieces and bring it out into the world? Or how do we build our creativity ensemble. So who are the people that are in your life? Who are your cheerleaders, your challengers, you know, the people who are going to hundred percent stand behind you. And who are the people who are hundred percent going to ask you the really tough questions that you don't want to be asked, but are so important that you have someone in your community to ask them because that's what helps you continue to grow, continue to expand, continue to think of new ways that you can get a new product out there, share your wisdom with people, 
you know, how you're going to show up on stage with someone, all of that. So that's where connectivity and connection really comes into that final stage. It's also, you know, vision, connection, we're really putting all the pieces together and how we can show up in the world with all the work that we've done before. I really love how you've created this framework for creativity, because I think oftentimes when people think about creativity, it's down to like, oh, it's an artist. It's somebody that's like painting or drawing, or it's a, a creative director, or it's a musician. But this foundation can really be applied to a creative life in general. Yes. Yeah. Elizabeth Gilbert in Big Magic, this amazing book that she wrote, she talks about what is creative living. And she says that it's living with curiosity more than fear. Hmm. And I just love that. So creative living is about having more curiosity in your life and less fear of what will happen being curious about what will happen instead of being afraid of what will happen. Right. And fear is really just our caveman days coming back. It comes back to safety, right? 100%. (laughs) Like the bear is going to bite me. There is no bear. It is just a project you need to turn in on time. It is a casting that you need to go to. Like it's not something that is going to actually hurt you. Correct. Cool. All right, Mari, I really loved all of these five steps and this journey that we've been on through creativity. Is there any other little nuggets or knowledge bombs that you want to drop on us before we wrap up? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I mean, there are so many. And I would say for anyone listening who is looking to flex creativity in their life to start trying new things. Like if you've always wanted to cook a really fancy recipe, try it. If you've always wanted to play a musical instrument, sign up for it. If you always wanted to figure out how to use a camera for photography, go for it. So trying new things is a great way to take that first step into flexing more creativity in your life. And the more you do that, the easier it is to access creativity in other areas of your life. Thank you so much, Mari. I really, really loved having you on the show. I know that the audience is going to eat this up. This has been such a wonderful journey through creativity. And I just want to sincerely thank you for collaborating with me on this episode. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's been such a treat to chat and share all of this wonderful information about creativity with your listeners. And if my listeners want to find you, get in contact with you, how can they find you? Yes, I am at Sustaining Creativity on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. SustainingCreativity.com is my website. I would love to connect with people and support them in their creativity journey. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mari. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Allergic to Small Talk is a production of Cut Class, a place where you can access me, Rochelle Grow, and Leslie Levito. We teach the world how to start and grow businesses without a formal classroom. Executively produced by me, Rochelle Grow, and Cut Class. 
creative direction by Sho Kazanjian, audio editor and producer Tom Mikiok, and music is by Fami Kaira. If you'd like to access more free resources, check out our sister podcast, Out to Launch, hosted by Cut Class's co-founder, Leslie Levito. She teaches people how to ditch their nine to five to start their own business. See ya.